0: Welcome to Short Talks from the Hill, a podcast from the University of Arkansas. I'm Bob Whitby, a science writer for the university. Today we're talking to Shireen Saidi, assistant professor of comparative politics and Middle East studies in the Department of Political Science. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So you moved to the United States from Iran as a child. Uh, Very interesting story. Uh, it influences your research and your work. Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Oh, uh, sure. Um, I was born in Iran uh, right after the 1979 revolution, and um, uh, I was born actually in Tehran, uh, and we lived there until the end of the war. Uh, my family, though, is originally from southern Iran, and. Uh, to be more exact, they're from Masjid Soleiman, and this is uh, the part of the country where, where oil was first discovered in the Middle East. It's also, um, despite you know having a lot of resources, it's a um, it's a very underserved um, community that lives there, mostly of tribal background. So um, both of my parents are from there. Um, and uh, southern Iran was really the war front uh, during the Iran-Iraq War, an important war front. It was also a place where there was um, a lot of lively um, leftist activist um, uh, work uh, during 1979 and pro- after 1979 and prior to 79. So I always say I'm from Iran, which is a very um, highly uh, political and dynamic country, but in particular from Khuzestan, which is um, a little bit even more fiery.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. You've uh, written about topics as varied as uh, the politics of love and war in Lebanon. Um, You've written about driving culture in Iran. I think that might have actually been a book review. Um, But common themes in your work are women's roles, politics, islamism and citizenship. So how does your background inform your interests, your research work?
1: Um, You know, when I, so I studied, um, all of my degrees have been in political science, and when I was a political science student as an undergraduate um, at the University of Maryland in College Park, the way that political science was taught was very you know, it was very much so focused on U.S. interests, U.S. politics, American history, um, American interests in other parts of the world, and uh, also a very elitist perspective. So, talking about politics from the perspective of, you know, what will this political leader do, or how how are decisions made, rationalist calculations, and, and so forth. I was much more interested and how politics affects people's lives. So for me, um, studying political science was about, one, changing the direction of political science in the United States, and um, that's one of the reasons that I um, went to the UK and did my PhD at Cambridge, because they were taking a more historical and institutional perspective. I'm interested in bodies, in effect, in um, human rights, citizenship. So anything that relates to people's subjectivities and how politics affects the lives of people, and how people can change the direction of politics. This was really where I was coming from.
0: You've done some very specific types of research in Iran, in the Middle East, that are that seem to reflect that very, very. For lack of a better word, intimate looks at people's lives and how they're shaped by the state and the uh, the regime there. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: I understand myself to be a part of a generation of Iranian American, Muslim American scholars that really developed intellectually after September eleventh. I was studying um, you know gender studies, minority politics, my undergraduate degree um, was political science, but I took mostly gender courses and African American studies courses. But then, after 9 11 happened, I became interested um, to, in some ways, really re engage with my own history and background um, and to, you know, get to know this country that I came from um, and the language that I knew and the religion that I was born into. And so, um, this kind of uh, forced me to uh, go back and do field work and and spend um, extended amount of time time in Iran And there's a lot of people who did that so there's I think a whole generation of scholars right now who are just starting um, their tenure track positions and university positions who really came from this perspective in the you know late 1990s early 2000s, but for me um, well, I'm interested Like I said, uh, you mentioned um, intimacy. I think that goes back to really my, um, in terms of where I stand in the discipline, it would be feminist international relations. So in feminist IR, um, there is this idea that the personal is political. And so I'm very much so interested in people's individual stories, um, how, uh, you know, how people overcome difficulties, uh, not just to survive, but to build an alternative um, uh, worldview, to construct another way of being. And so this required um, extensive amounts of field work and time in the country. And again, because my family was so touched by the revolution and by the war, um, I, I had a particular interest in the early. Um, in the first decade of the Islamic Republic, so from 1980 to 88. So this is why I conducted a lot of interviews with women that were involved with the war, um, that experienced it, because this was uh, something that I felt was missing um, in the literature. I felt that the war was Uh, you know, um, great injustice to the Iranian people, it set back the revolution, it changed the direction of the revolution and the state. And so it was a really big deal um, in terms of, you know, understanding the post-revolutionary state, but also on a personal level, I wanted to hear the voices of women who were involved in the war in different capacities, but then um, who were also impacted by the war once the conflict ends.
0: Was it difficult being on the ground doing this research in Iran?
1: It was difficult just because at the time um, conducting research on the Iran Iraq war was considered a security issue. It was a security topic. So um, even uh, later, when I taught in Iran um, at the University of Tehran, I learned that. Even uh, PhD students, graduate students who are living in Iran from Iran, doing their degrees in the country, are not allowed to um, freely pursue this topic. And for their, even you know, I've met women whose fathers were killed in the war, but they were not allowed to um, do research on, on, on the war. The other aspect I think that made it difficult was actually finding these women, and I really would it would have been very difficult if it weren't for um, the support that the state actually gave me. So. Um, a lot of the women were introduced to me through um, this state institution called Jose Honari, um, which is basically, it's um, where a lot of the memoirs and books about the war are produced. Um, it's under the direct um, uh, supervision of Iran's supreme leader, but there's, it's quite a dynamic um, uh, uh, institution, and they work a lot with foreign researchers. So they facilitated my research um, for that book. and. And then, you know, friends and family, you know, I used different um, relationships that I had to find um, people to speak with because I didn't want all of my data to come from one avenue and that being like the voice of the states.
0: How were you received as an American and a scholar both in your research and your teaching in, in Tehran?
1: As a woman and as a scholar, people were so Uh, you you are so respected, and this surprises many Americans because they think that professional women um, in Iran, in places like Iran, religious countries, wouldn't receive that level of respect. But the students and colleagues um, really do respect you a lot. Uh, There's almost this understanding that you've worked really probably twice or three times as uh, harder than your male counterparts. So I know there was a lot of respect in terms of um, you know, being a scholar, and then my research topic was interesting for many people um, that someone, you know, who's living somewhere else would care about this topic. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I guess the difficulty for me was just, um, if I were to be really just honest about it, was confronting sort of my own, um, uh, you know, my own cultural flaws and seeing how, you um, How much better other people were in building relationships with me um, despite the differences than I was in building relationships with them. You know, if we take the current context of all the tensions that exist between the United States and Iran, and really there's a lot of conversation about the sanctions, but the sanctions have been, um, the people of Iran have been impacted by sanctions really since 1979, since the revolution. So, um, you know, when you think about sanctions that are really, Back-breaking, suffocating. They are preventing, um, you know, children with cancer from getting their medication. They're causing students uh, who are sitting on an airplane on their way to the United States to pursue their graduate education. Are, you know, literally being uh, taken off of airplanes because of the sanctions. So, because of sanctions and the current tensions, um I was really surprised by how nice people were to me, um, and how, you know, they didn't really view it as an opportunity to uh, take their frustrations out on this American who's in the country. It was more they were really, interested in dialogue and conversation and expressing what they've lived through. So I, for me, it was a very humbling learning experience that I continue to think about.
0: Uh, as you mentioned, Iran's in the news a lot lately, but I think for a lot of Americans, the country is, is something of a mystery. Um, what is it like there, and um, what would you say to somebody who knows absolutely nothing about the country?
1: Um, you know, I, when people ask me these questions, I always say it's it's like anywhere else really in the world in some ways. Um, people get up, they go to work. Um, a lot of the conflicts um, that you have anywhere else um, in any other state in terms of like political conflict, uh, you know, it's all there. Um, but I guess one way that it is different for me is, is really um, the creativity that the people have for, um, and the patience for encountering these long-standing issues that really develop out of the history of um, really modern Iranian history with the uh, uh, formation of an authoritarian state, with Western interference, with colonialism, with the rise of Islamism, um, just all of these different um, aspects of contemporary history that have affected them in a negative way, how, how well they are at navigating that and trying to find um, peaceful solutions to their problems. I think that's one of the things that would be very striking for um, an American that goes to the country. I, you know, I can't really say that there's one thing that's, that's very exotic or different. Um, the thing that always stays with me, though, is really um, the kindness and the compassion, the patience the flexibility um, and really the, the um, excellent communication skills that people have um, in Iran. And that's something that um, I always reflect upon. And I tell people, and I would urge your listeners um, as well, uh, and I think I told you this when we spoke previously, You know, if um, anybody asks me what were, like, the greatest moments of your life, I would first say, you know, the birth of my daughter. Um, As a mom, I think that's the first thing I would say. But second, I would say really the best part of my life so far has been the time that I spent in Iran.
0: Finally, I want to mention that you have a book in the works. Yes. Um, And the name is Women in the Islamic Republic, How Gendered Citizenship Conditions the Iranian State and that's coming out soon?
1: Yeah, hopefully. Um, I just finished my book, so um, I will send it back to the publishers and hear from them. Um, you know, th- the book, theoretically, it's written for an academic um, community, but I think it, it will also be of interest for for people who are not, you know, academics or based and um, that don't work in the university because um, really what the book shows is that typically we hear about Iranian women and how they're oppressed um, and, you know, how difficult it is life for them after the revolution, but um, very rarely do we hear not just about how they've resisted, resisted what has you know happened, you know, whether it was war or the rise of um, conservative politics, anti-feminist politics, not only have they resisted, but my book shows how in the process of resisting, they forced the Islamic Republic, their families, their husbands, their brothers, their male colleagues to change their policies and to change the way that they interact with women. So the book shows that um, you know there's this whole other side of life in the Islamic Republic and the, there are these spaces that women have carved out. Um, that I would say are actually quite much more radical than what we might see um, in women's movements in the United States or in democratic countries.
0: Interesting, okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Music for Short Talks from the Hill was written and performed by local musician Ben Harris. For more information and additional podcasts, visit researchfrontiers.uark.edu the home of research news at the University of Arkansas.